0: Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest, Dr. Dana McNeil. Dr. McNeil is a licensed marriage and family therapist and is founder of The Relationship Place, a group practice with locations in her hometown of San Diego, California. Her practice specializes in couples therapy and utilizes an evidence-based type of couples therapy known as the Gauntlet Method. Dr. Dana is a certified Gottman method therapist and bringing home baby instructor. She also leads trainings at the Gottman Institute to help clinicians master the art of couples therapy. She works with all types of relationship issues from premarital counseling, dealing with the aftermath of extramarital affairs, partners working through addiction recovery, military deployed families, parents of special needs children, LGBTQ plus partners, and polyamorous ethical non-monogamy clients. Today, we talk about the Gottman Method and how she incorporates this into her work with couples. Welcome, Dr. McNeil. Hi, Josephine. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited today to talk about a treatment modality in couples therapy called the Gottman Method, and it's something that
1: you're a specialist in. I'm certified in it. I love it. I can talk about it all day. I know we have 20 minutes, so I will condense it as much as I can. What do you want me to tell your people about it? You want me to give them a background of what it is? Yes,
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) because most people are like, who, what, what are you saying? So John and Julie Gottman, over 40 years ago, they developed a kind of couples therapy that we call the Gottman method. They got to name it for themselves. And what they spent the last 40 years doing is they researched what is it that makes a couple have a successful relationship? How are they talking to each other? What are they doing when they feel overwhelmed? How are they dealing with it when they feel defensive or criticized? What are they doing with those perpetual issues that we call them in the Gottman Method, which things never, ever seem to get resolved, right? How are successful couples handling it? So what they found is that most of us don't know how to do it. Right, that we are not taking a couple's communication class in high school, that we're not getting any training, we're just sort of expected to slog through it. And so, the couples that were doing it well, accidentally, we called them the masters of relationships. They're who we all want to be, right? And then there's the rest of us, the disasters of relationships who want to be like the masters, but we have no idea. So, what John and Julie did is they took the behaviors that the masters were doing and they turned it into a couple's type of therapy. And they put them through clinical trials. And so that's what's the important part is that there's a science behind what we do. Sometimes in therapy, especially talk therapy, they just think it's a lot of woo-woo and we just hug it out, put our crystals out and talk about feelings, right? And so they took the behaviors and when they put them through clinical trials, what we found is that couples who use these techniques report their relationship is improved by 86%. That's what all my clients want to hear because when I'm not in their life anymore, they want to have tools that they can go back to time and time again, so that when they get in situations in their relationship, they have something that feels concrete and valuable. So where do you begin? Well, and it's very structured, right? So the first four sessions are what we call assessment. I know nothing about the couple, right? I just, I know they have driven, Got water, set on my couch. So the first session, we talk about the history of who they are, how they meet, how they fall in love, what's life been like. Then we send them something called Gottman Connect, which is a questionnaire that has over 400 questions that asks them to each individually weigh in on all kinds of issues in their relationship. Where are we at with our levels of trust and commitment? Where do we think our communication is at? What's our sex life like? How are we talking about our values? How are we being co-parents, right? We're also talking about things that we need to kind of dig into. Like, are there some substance abuse issues? Do we have co-occurring mental health issues? Has there been any partner violence, right? And we then get that as the clinician and that prepares us for sessions two and sessions three, which are individual sessions. I kind of lovingly call them the vent session because you need to come tell me from your perspective what's going on in the relationship without sugarcoating it for your partner. And if they're sitting on the couch, you're more likely to sugarcoat it. You're not going to tell me what's going on because you don't want to hurt their feelings, right? I am the neutral party. It's not complaining. It's telling me if this doesn't get resolved, here's what's going to happen. Here's where I'm at. Here's what I need to see as a change. So after that, then session four, I come back as the assessment person and give you an overlay of where we're at in the relationship. What are your strengths? Because you definitely have them or you wouldn't be sitting on the couch. And two, what are some areas of growth? What are the things that I'm seeing from spending time with you, working with you individually and seeing what you're filling out on the survey are the areas that we want to work on? So we use a theory kind of platform called the Sound Relationship House, and it's got different points of what I'm looking for in a successful, healthy relationship. And I'm measuring up my couple, who's my client, where are we at? How are we measuring up? What's our goals and how? what's my game plan of how I'm going to get them there? I then have over 50 different tools. We call them interventions that I can do to help them based on what it is that's going on in the relationship to help them navigate that. I want to hear about all 50. Some of them are card decks. They're not that scary, but I mean, some of them are important. There's some core ones that we use a lot with our couples. One of the concepts that we try to introduce from the very beginning is the physiological arousal that's happening for a couple when they get into a conflict, right? Couples probably are more familiar with this term fight, flight, or freeze, right? What's happening to me when my partner is telling me that they don't think I'm doing a good job in the relationship, or I didn't take out the trash, or I didn't have sex with them. I go into physiological arousal because I want to protect my image, right? That's part of how I feel safe and secure in the relationship. And so if I'm not aware of what's happening, when my heart rate goes over 100 beats per minute, and my brain starts shutting down, we do the things that John Gottman calls, we ring a bell that can't be unrung. We say horrible things. We try to problem solve when we're in the middle of having our brain be hijacked. And we're not doing good things for our relationships. So the first sort of intervention that I have to help my couples do is figure out when is a good time for you to take a break? right? So much of us believe that like, if I really love you, I'll just stick in there and we'll just work it out and I'll follow you from room to room, you know, like arguing at the top of our lungs. That's actually not productive, even though it feels like we're showing each other that we care. Feeling aware of when I need to take a break and tell my partner, hey, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to come back in 20 or 30 minutes when I'm calm so that we can talk about this is the very first thing that they have to do. Moving forward, there's other things that we have to work on. We have to talk about our expectations for relationships. We have to talk about the things that we learned in our family of origin about what makes a relationship work or not work. We have to get comfortable with conflict. We have to normalize that the average couple has one conflict per week. I expect my couples to have it. It's what we do when we find ourselves there that says everything about the success of our relationship moving forward. A few questions I have. So if you think I'm about you lots of questions, Josephine, what do you got, Levy? So, okay. So if you think about popular
0: modalities for couples therapy, there's EFT, emotional focus therapy, yes. and there's the Gottman method.
1: Imago oh. is popular, but it's not currently evidence-based. It's in the process, but it's not currently evidence-based. Got it. So we have three evidence-based treatments for couples therapy. Well, once a gets evidence-based, yes, there really there's more, they're just not as popular. So when you say popular, if clients yes. are calling around saying like, i heard of this, those are the three that they're usually asking about. Well, I wonder if you could maybe talk
0: about what is the difference between the Gottman method and emotional EFT?
1: Emotion-focused therapy is this concept that when I grew up, I have a potential to have something that we call an attachment injury right? When I grew up, maybe my parents didn't always give me love and care that I could depend on. Maybe my parents had a substance abuse. Maybe my parents didn't grow up in a very functional household themselves. And so when I would reach out for a hug or a kiss or a ride to school or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, maybe they couldn't show up for me the way that I needed. So that teaches me things about relationships and people moving forward that maybe they're safe, Maybe they're inconsistent. Maybe it's easier for me just to depend on myself, or maybe I need to make sure that they always love me so that I can get my needs met. This is a broad stroke (laughs) overgeneralization of emotion-focused therapy, but what it is, and so once you're aware of what your attachment injuries are, then you can figure out how does that attachment injury interact with my partner's attachment injury. If they have a secure attachment style and I have an anxious attachment style, maybe we're a good fit. But if I have an anxious attachment style and they have like bit of a personality that wants to be a loner and I'm constantly asking them to fill my needs and they're like, no, thank you you can have problems, right? So that type of couples therapy is focusing on how can we help each other heal our attachment injuries so that we can have a relationship that's successful for both of us. The Gottmans and Sue Johnson, who is one of the developers of EFT, they have a lot of interconnection, right? It's important for me to understand my attachment injuries. But what I have found and the reason that I've chose to work with the Gottman method is that's all fine and dandy, but I need a behavior change. Mm-hmm. The average couple waits six years before they come to therapy. That is a lot of like, let me see something different or I'm not going to stay in couples therapy, right? Sometimes we're in couples therapy for a while. If you're not seeing something that's motivating you to keep doing something different, then you're probably not going to show up because it's hard. It's, right. it's not easy work. For me, those are kind of the main differences. I think it's important that you understand why you do what you do, but I don't think that we can stop there. And so for some couples, if you're enlightened and you've had lots of therapy and you like talking and processing about your feelings fantastic. Go to EFT, right? But if you're a couple that's like, "Mm -mm, no, you never pick up the kids from school and we have a lot of money problems and I need to see some behavior changes, then maybe the Gottman method is something that they would feel more inclined to head towards. I wonder if we could, you could make up a case. (laughs)
0: I mean, a typical, I'm sure there are patterns that you see and themes that you see that come through your doors, right? And so, I mean, I guess what is a typical couple complaint you might see?
1: Well, I can tell you about the patterns of communication that get them in trouble. And those are usually what come in the door. So when John and Julie did the research, they came up with what they call the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which probably some of your listeners have heard of because it's his most kind of famous concept that there are statistically these four patterns of communication that couples are doing that are getting them into trouble. Right. And so the first is we criticize each other. And that is like, yeah, I didn't need to listen to Josephine's podcast to know about that. I I know how to do that. But what happens is I criticize you when I really have an unmet need and I'm worried that I'm not going to get my need met. So I'm already like taking both sides of the story in. I'm worried that you're not gonna do it. That means you don't care about me. I'm feeling rejected. And so I'm coming at you with anger and we're not even having a conversation. I'm shutting you down. I'm trying to get you to feel what I'm feeling. What typically happens is when I attack my partner, they get defensive. There is no other dance that we can do with each other, right? You're telling me that I'm not a good person. I have to like protect my character with you. This is important. So it's very rare that if I say to my partner, you never take out the trash. Why do you think that this place is such a mess all the time? You don't even care about our house, right? And there's no response my partner can do other than that's not true. I took the trash out yesterday right? We're not having a conversation. We're just waiting for you to stop talking so I can tell you why you're wrong. And so that is a pattern that many couples get into. And when you're doing it for six years, it's a loop that's on autopilot that's real hard to get out of, right? The antidote for those things are when you want to criticize your partner, if you can understand that there's an unmet need, we teach you a technique called using a gentle startup, where we talk about why it's so important to me and what I'm asking you to consider doing. And I always throw in there that anything that your partner does for you is a gift. They are not required to do anything by virtue of the fact that we're in a relationship together. So if you give me an opportunity to give you a gift, minimally, I'll probably compromise with you or be soft about it, right? If I want to defend myself, if I can remember to find something that I can take responsibility for, not all of it, it doesn't mean that if we get into snappy conversation or snarky conversation with each other that it's 100% my fault, no, no. But I can get us back on track by finding something that I can take responsibility for. So here's an example. If I get off the podcast with you and my partner's in the kitchen making me some lunch and I'm sending you an email about how fantastic it was to hang out with you and he starts talking to me about something that the dog is doing and I'm half paying attention, writing you a note, turning back and forth and I'm like, what? Hey, well, I'm not, he's going to get mad right? I'm not paying attention to him. I'm not being present with him. He's trying to tell me something that's important to him. And he says, all you care about is the podcast. You don't care about our dog. The response is I could get defensive, but if I can say something like, you're right, I should have either said, hold on a second, let me finish this email so I can be present or took my fingers off the keyboard and turned to you and said, yes, what's going on, sweetheart? That I had options. I didn't handle it well right? There's nothing wrong with saying, I wish I would have handled that interaction differently. Is it okay that my partner says, all you care about is the podcast? No, that hurts my feelings. We can have a different conversation about that, but if we're going to continue escalating where there's a criticism and a defense, we're not going to get out of that pattern. Hmm. The third kind of conversation problem that comes up is that when couples have contempt present, And what that means is I don't value you. I don't take your opinions or thoughts into consideration. You're really not even on my radar, right? And it can be very subtle how couples do it, right? Like if somebody comes into my office and they're like, yeah, she tried to tell me she's gonna help with the finances. (sighs) What does she know about finances? What you're telling your partner is you have no value to them. And so typically what I see happen is that, If it disintegrates long enough over time, one partner will either completely shut down because you're not emotionally safe or they'll have an affair. This is where these kind of things head. And the fourth pattern of communication is something that we call stonewalling, which is you are flooded and you're not doing anything about it. So you shut down physically and you can stay in the space with your partner and pretend that you're present, but your brain is not present to have a communication because you haven't done something to calm down. So, those patterns are very present in a couple's therapist's office. And so, helping our clients identify what's going on, why they're happening, why it's normal that they're happening, but also convince them to try to use some of the antidotes is part of the things that we see a lot in our office. The taking out the trash scenario. Yeah.
0: How would you coach someone to kind of redo that?
1: So, the gentle startup for that might be, I feel frustrated when I come home from work and there's trash that needs to be taken out and there's dishes in the sink. Right. So I'm talking about why it's so important to me. If I use I statements, which is like therapy 101, I'm less likely to get in trouble. Right. If I start sentences with you, especially if there's a always or never, I'm already shrieking backwards. If I'm your partner, I know this is not going to be good. Something's coming at me, right? So I feel frustrated or overwhelmed when I come home from work and there's trash that needs to be taken out and there's dishes in the sink. I would love it if when I texted you and I'm on the way home from work, if you could take out the trash and put the dishes in the dishwasher. Because that would mean that you understand, I'm, I want to come home. I want to sit down with you. I want to watch Hulu. I want to snuggle together. I want to have a nice evening. And because I get so anxious, I'm going to feel like I have to go clean up the kitchen and I'm not going to really start to relax. Is that something you'd be willing to do? right? So it's all the key parts there. I talked about why it was important to me. I'm not just being a nag. I asked you specifically for what it is that I would like to occur. And by asking you if that's something you're willing to do and giving you a little motivation about why it would ingratiate you to me, it gives you motivation. But I don't just say, hey, I need to just start taking out the trash. My partner might just say, okay, to placate me and really never intend to do it. So when I come home tomorrow and it's not taken care of, it's going to be World War III, right? Because I didn't give that person an option. I also didn't give that person an option to say, no, I can't do that. I have a job too. And I'm going to be on a Zoom call to China until nine o'clock at night, right? I'll help you when we both get home, but I'm just as busy as you are. But I, I do see it's a big deal. So I'll make it a priority. That's a completely different conversation than we usually have with our partners. And we're not giving them an opportunity to not frustrate us if it doesn't happen. The scenario I gave you when I come home from work and I'm like, hush, remember yesterday, we chatted. You said that when I texted you, you would clean it up. I know you love me, what happened, right? You made an agreement with me. There's gotta be a reason and I'm holding you in a positive perspective. I know you're gonna explain to me what happened. Different way of approaching these conversations. Right, Not always easy, especially if we are in what we call in the Gottman world, negative sentiment override, which means if you're that couple that's waited six years to come to therapy, you're probably in negative sentiment override, which means I am looking to validate my perspective that you don't like me. You don't care about me. You don't, you're just doing this to push my buttons, right? Right. You've got a lot of work. If you're the couple that's waited that long, you've got to work on your negative sentiment override. You've got to find a way to try to hold them in a positive perspective. You've got to change old habits. You've got to like believe that your partner wants it too. And sometimes one person can affect change. Maybe I'm the only one that changes and I'm waiting for you to catch up. That also takes patience.
0: I'm just thinking you make it seem pretty simple.
1: Well, I mean, maybe in my explanation of it, it's simple. It's not simple. I'm, I'm on this side of the couch, right? But I have to let you know that there is a path forward. You have to do the hard work. I can give you the tools, which should hopefully give some comfort because now you have the right tools, right? If I wanted to put up a picture and all I had was a saw at home and I'm like, I don't know why the picture is not going up with the saw. Here's the hammer, love. Try this. It'll be easier.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I also think kind of by labeling these maladaptive patterns and patterns and habits that, that relationships get into almost validates their experience, right? That, you know, like,
1: it didn't have a name before. It wasn't something other people did. It just meant we were broken and weird.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and I also, like you had said, like it's an evidence-based treatment and you can basically quote the degree of success that you would expect
1: And of course, you know, that's self-report. So that means the couple has to be on board. You can't just sit on the couch with your arms crossed and be like, okay, wave your magic wand over me. You have to be willing to do it. And
0: I mean, I guess the other question is, you know, when does this not work? And it sounds like when the couple is not really motivated for change or wanting to, to do the hard work.
1: And it's not necessarily bad that you come to couples therapy and you realize that your partner's not willing to do the work because then that sort of helps you answer those questions, right? Is it me? Am I not willing to do it? Is the problem with me? And having the this impartial third party who's like, here's a tool, this is the equalizer for both of you. And one of them's like, I'm just tired. I don't want to do the work, or it's just been too much for me, or I don't see value in it, or I'm not motivated. It lets the other partner have some more clarity. So there's lots of reasons that come, you know, and as I tell my couples, I don't know what's going to happen in your relationship, but what I do know is you're the common denominator in all of them. And you are modeling for other relationships, how it can be healthy. If you have children, you're modeling what healthy couples communication looks like. Even if you end, you can do it in a beautiful way. You also are going to be having communication with your coworkers, your neighbors, your parents. These are tools that you can use for the rest of your life. Right. Well,
0: before we end, you had mentioned children. I know that you are bringing home baby instructor, and I know that's part of the Gottman method. Do you want to talk just very briefly about it? I'm curious
1: about. Yeah. A bringing home baby instructor. So, statistically, what we've learned is that couples who have a child report that 68% of them are unhappy in their relationship. And so, oh, light bulb, we should probably like do some work with them about what it's like to be a new parent. What are going to be some of the value systems that you need? to look at. You're creating your own family. You're not just coming from your family of origin, you're creating this new family. And so what do you need to consider and think about in order to put this new family in place? What do you see as your role as a parent? What kind of perpetual issues do you think might keep coming up for you guys that you need to work through? And you can't neglect the couple part of your relationship. So a lot of the tools that we learn as a couple are integrated into tools about how to be a new parent. I'm glad that that exists. I actually
0: heard that phrase and did not realize that it was part of the Gottman
1: method. It is. Yeah. There's a two-day program that couples can go through two full days where they just work in little side work groups, doing some exercises, get some psychoeducation, get some support, meet other couples. It's a pretty powerful experience.
0: Yeah. Seems like a really important way to start off being a parent and to be a co-parent, to learn these skills from the
1: very beginning. Yeah. John does a lot of work um, with emotional intelligence. So teaching our children straight out the gate, emotional intelligence is also something that we touch upon to have parents start to model that for their kids. Well, this discussion
0: was very helpful for me in understanding this type of therapy. And I hope the listener found it interesting and helpful. I will make sure I have your information on the episode description and it has your website. So people know how to get in touch with you if they're interested. Um, If people want to learn a little bit more about the Gottman method, is there any good resources you would suggest?
1: Well, the Gottman Institute has a lot of great things. Um, My group practice website, which is www.sdrelationshipplace.com. We have a lot of information. There's even a little quiz that couples can take to see if maybe it's time for couples therapy. And we also have some intensives that couples can come to on our therapygetaway.com site that has Mm -hmm. more information about the Gottman method. So lots of ways to find it. John's written like 13 books. So there's lots of information about the Gottman method.
0: I would think if someone went to your website to take that quiz, they probably are in needle couples therapy,
1: but maybe not. <laughs> or maybe they're reassured. They're like, "We are." <laughs> but maintenance, I would say, if you think you're good, you can't rest on your laurels. You got to do maintenance. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time and energy and sharing your
1: expertise. Of thanks course. So thanks for inviting me. This was fun. Yeah. Take care. Okay. Bye. This has
0: been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories and don't forget to subscribe.